This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Curtis Hamakey and his son, Father Andy Hamakey, talk about the faith of our fathers and how this faith formed them into the men they are today. and Father Andy are being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. But now let's get to our interview, and I'm excited for this. In studio, we have Father Andy Hamicky and his dad, Curtis, with us. So Curtis is the father, or the father of Father Andy Hamicky. Yeah, thank you for whoever wrote that there. Get yeah, tongue twisted there. <laughs> it is, he is also the athletic director for Forhey State University. He is married to Annette, and they have three children and three grandchildren. Father Andy Hamicky, the oldest child, was ordained to the priesthood June 2nd, 2018. Gentlemen, it is good to have you on the air today. It's good to be here. Good to be yeah. here, George. <coughs> so i got to make a quick story first um, before we get into this. And, and Father Andy, you may, not, you may not remember all of this, but so I was at Four Hayes from 2012 to 2014. It was the summer of 2013, and our, our buddy Tyler Weber says, hey, let's go to the Catholic Wichita Family Conference, the Midwest, okay. you know, so... I believe it was that summer, you, me, and Tyler went to Wichita, and uh, I remember the first day going into the conference, and you were seminarian, Andy, at that time, and so you had your nice seminary polo on, and you, you know you had you know, you know had the nice slacks on. As soon as we walk in the door to the center, like a flood of people come around you. Other seminarians in Wichita start wanting to talk to you. All their friends started to come up and talk to you. And I'm just like, I kind of feel like I'm third wheeling in the background there. Cause I'm just like, this is awesome. You know, like, you know, just kind of the, the, just kind of the attractiveness people had, you had towards you there. And even throughout the, the next couple of days in terms of that conference, you know, you were, you were serving there on the altar and, you know, helping the masses and stuff. And, you know, we went to a couple of the, the restaurants there, have a couple of drinks, the other seminaries. It was just a really, 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 really good time. But I just remember that going, he's going to be just, he's going to be just fine. Well, just fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one of those many examples. Like, as we all find out, as we, uh, you know, the more, the more we grow in our faith and meet more and more people, the Catholic world's small, you know, so anywhere you go, it's, it's crazy. Um, you go to a, you go to March for Life and you're seeing people from all, all around the country and uh, that Catholics that you've known from different, different walks of life. And so, yeah, that's. It's an amazing faith, and it's definitely a small, the Catholic world's small. No, it's awesome. it is. Yeah. No, no, it is. You know, George, I think it's a, a good opportunity to interject. Uh, we got to take part of that ride you did, too, as parents, <laughs> with him being in the seminary, and we're the nobodies in the background, you know, but to go to, to spend some time on the campus of the seminary, like, like uh, Conception or Minerad in Indiana, and to get there as parents and see witness to what was going on in the formation of these all these young men uh, I've told Father Andy before how cool it would be for more parents to get to see that or, or to bring that back you know sure. to to show it's so impressive but to see the brotherhood that takes place amongst those guys and then to see them grow through that process was as we get into this whole discussion today was really a, a, a contributing factor major major factor in my faith life was was coming full circle and learning from him. Curtis, I'd like to start with you. So tell us about your own father and how faith was practiced as you grew up and how you came to claim the faith as your own as an adult. Okay, uh, well, starting with my dad, um, you know, we we had, I come from a family of nine kids. So mom and dad had nine kids and um, we, 
I was born actually in McPherson, um, and they we lived on a farm. But I was child number eight, so I was at the tail end of that, and uh, and so we moved to Great Bend in in 1966. So I was four years old. We moved to Great Bend. So I grew up my my entire life in Great Bend. So, but I think it's just to put it into perspective. We had you know um, nine kids, and Faith was at the was the foundation of our family. I mean, it was it was um, not so much discussed a lot like some of us do today. I guess we didn't talk a lot about it. We just did it, and, and uh, it was expected. Um, we, we, you know, uh, Dad went. We went to 7:30 mass at St. Rose every Sunday, like clockwork, no matter what. And uh, that was just the way we grew up. You know, um, we said grace at meals. We, we, like I said, regularly, always, always, always made it to Mass. Um, Sunday was a special day at our house. Dad, Dad was a hard worker. He worked in the oil field, uh, was gone a lot of the week. You know, um, but Sunday, everything, all was good in the world, all was right. You know, you went to Mass, you came home, you, everybody was home for dinner, and, and uh, it was kind of a sacred day. And that's, that's the foundation of faith that we were brought up in. We went to Catholic grade school. Um, we lived across the street from the church and the grade school. Our, our next door neighbors was a house full of nuns. And so I grew up hol um, holding the nuns and our priests in very high esteem as, as I still do to this day. So that was the, the how I grew up. My dad, when I look at his example, and um, you have to know him a little bit, which I'll try to paint a picture of him here in a minute. but. But those expectations, like I said, were not something that was ever up for question or anything like that. It was that was just what how it was going to be, and, and no one asked any questions. But you know, I did. I do in reflecting on this interview and thinking about Dad, a couple things I noticed through the years. He always wore a suit to church. I think he maybe only had one suit. I, I don't know. As far as I know, he did just have this one suit. But every Sunday, you know, he wore that suit. He sang at church, um, you know, very, very visibly. Um, uh, wasn't wasn't afraid uh, of singing, and uh, you know, those were things that that made you feel like this was important to him. I, I never, hardly ever, else saw him wear wear a suit, and so you know, that just plants a seed. This this is really important. This is really important to him. He's wearing his best every time we go there. And so that, that was impressive. I think as I got older, something that stuck out to me was I would see him in the, in the living room um, in the evenings reading the Bible. Now, he may have been doing this when I was younger, too. I just maybe didn't notice it. But in later years, I started noticing that he would be sitting over there. and He would just go by himself and read um, almost every night. You know, he'd do that. And then another thing he did that made an impact on me was he had a brother that was a priest. It would be my uncle was Father Gerald Hammocky down Dodge City Diocese, but he was in Great Bend for a while at St. Pat's, which was the other Catholic church, still is today, on the other other end of town. And our parish was St. Rose. So Dad would, we'd go to 7.30 Mass, and then he, a little bit later in the morning, would go to a second Mass to go be at his brother's Mass. But one thing that struck me, you know, looking back was how easy it would be for us to say, well, let's just all go to, out to St. Pat's tomorrow at 10 where Father Gerald's Mass is. He didn't do that. He never, he never disrupted our normal 7.30 a.m. at St. Rose schedule. We did that. 
And if he wanted to go see his brother's mass, he was doing that in addition to. Wow. I thought that in looking back at that, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. So um, those were some of the things. Like I said, um, it wasn't a lot of discussion, I, I think, about our faith life in my upbringing. But there was action. And it was done through action and it was led by example through all these years. And if I could just for a minute just to help paint a picture of Dad, you know what I mean? Absolutely. He's probably six foot five, he's slender, um, a strong man, and uh, obviously um, authoritative, um, a little bit stern, I would say, as I was growing up, and really saw more of his sense of humor later in my life, not so much when I was a kid. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was on the third tier, so I think he'd gotten some of that discipline taken care of on my older brothers and sisters so but you know maybe a little bit better down for me down low but i can remember a night for example george um you know i get a phone call we had we had unwritten rules in our life and i'm just telling the story to give a picture of dad but sure. we had kind of unwritten rules in our in our little life there and and one of them was you know when i was 17 years old or whatever and we we're in high school you kind of had you could go out friday night maybe with your buddies or you could go out Saturday night but it was kind of one or the other it was not written in stone anywhere but we all kind of knew the deal we weren't we weren't going out two nights in a row like a lot of people were so Friday night you know we got together with the guys and went out and did whatever we did at 17 so Saturday night it's about 6 30 and the phone rings and our at that time even though the cord to our telephone was about 30 feet long the phone was in the kitchen okay so you had to go physically out in the kitchen answer the phone of course it's one of the yahoos wanting to go out again so i'm standing there i'm thinking about that he asked me if we could go out and we had just gone out last night i put the phone down i walk around the corner and peek into the living room well dad's in his recliner and uh you know he hauls on at 6 30 you know he, that's every saturday night so he's pretty locked into that uh, program he's watching <laughs> i've got to ask him for permission to go out i peek in there and i eyeball him for about 20 seconds i'm studying him pretty good i walk back to the phone and said i can't go yeah. <laughs> so i mean th there was a a huge atmosphere of respect for my dad i guess from all of us and that's that's what we grew up in and i'm going to tell one other story as an adult now dad dad like i said had a great sense of humor but he he also would would take play it straight i mean he was going to tell you if you if you were goofing up um the the line got towed you know i could remember having to split a pile of wood at six o'clock one saturday morning that had been sitting there for about 14 years but all of a sudden, since I got home late Friday night, that needed to be split the next morning. But those type of things. So we're at the lake. I got six. I got five brothers. There's six boys in our family. We're at the lake. We had we started what we called a brothers' weekend, and we're all adults, right? I mean, we're all. I'm probably, I don't know, 30 years old, maybe, and old enough to know better. But and all my brothers are older than me. But we had started this gathering where us six boys would get together once every year, just us, nobody else. We'd go play a little golf and we'd go to the lake. And we'd spend two or three day little retreat with just us brothers. This particular year, we were at Lake Wilson. And that Sunday morning came and I don't really recall, George, how this happened, but there evidently wasn't any plan for us to go to church. I mean, it was, we were out there, we'd, we'd been golfing, we'd been fishing, 
we've been out on this boat at the lake the whole day i think we even had a houseboat and here we were sunday morning and, and our dad drives out from great bend to have breakfast with us great okay so we all have breakfast and then the most awkward moment of eternity happened <laughs> you know all of a sudden we get out eating breakfast and dad said uh what do you guys uh what do you guys got planned for mass today and you know we all just kind of look dumb fat down down at the ground you know so to speak and and uh, no one said anything he said you mean you boys are all out here enjoying all this and you don't have an hour to go thank the one who made it all possible <laughs> and i mean i just shriveled you know i'm i'm extremely confident that was the last time i've ever not gone to mass but he had that kind of impact on us and um that that that's that's part of how that's my dad that, yeah, that was who no, my that's dad beautiful was, if that gives a picture of him absolutely um so those stories told <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of how i was brought up and then i think we we go in phases in our lives at least as it relates to me um my faith i was brought up obviously had an excellent foundation there go off to college probably between that time and the time i got married kind of shaky i would say for me i got married and and, uh, and i would have to start by saying the 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 first flourishing of my foundation from my parents came from my wife so getting married to Annette and she was Catholic and she's the one that got me moving towards the next step where that you know without her I think the the next phases of my faith life probably would have been much more challenging so she got us started in the adoration and all that and, and, and moving into that direction she really had a lot of formation for our kids and took them to adoration with her and things like that so I would say it was Annette that really took me to the next level in, in carrying out my faith. So that's kind of been my road. And then I think after that, uh, maybe get into that a little bit later down the road here, but I think just issues in your life, the way I see it is what helps drive you further and deeper into your faith. Sure. Now, that's a beautiful story, Curtis, and thank you for sharing. And, and, and so, Father Andy, I'm going to turn it to you here. How has your father helped form your faith? Yeah, I mean, absolutely essential. So so in some ways, kind of like Dad said about my grandpa, um, about his dad, um, same way I, I grew up with great, you know, reverence for my dad. And, and so I, it was cool. It was cool getting to grow up um, with the dad as a baseball coach. That that that, that was, he, he was coaching Fort Hayes here when I was growing up. And, and, uh, and so my peers all knew that, you know, we all loved baseball. And so when your dad's the coach at, at the college, it, you get a little extra credit at recess and with, with the guys, even to the point where I remember uh, you know, it, was, it was awesome, but, but I'd also, I got to be bat boy. And so, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm with them for a lot of their games and I get to, in second or third grade, I'm, I'm over hearing words that nobody else in second or third grade knows yet. So I get to share those with, get some credit with the guys at recess and stuff. So there's all that, there's, uh, all my peers look up to my dad for that reason. Um, he's a baseball coach. I remember later on, even in, in, in high school, one time our, our head coach couldn't couldn't make it to one of our summer games, so dad stepped in and helped coach during that. And all the guys were all excited because we, we get we get to take in and out. We get to we get to uh, do the baseball in and out. Get ready for the game with a college baseball coach hitting hitting the fungo to us. And so there's, 
I was lucky with that. I always had uh, peers who looked up to my dad, and so easy for me to look up to him as well. So, so there's that uh, earthly like reverence for him, but at the same time, so and staying with the baseball thing, I remember how uh, you know every every growing up playing baseball, we go on the road for these little league games, and um, it was a buzzkill many many times. It'd be like Saturday night, and we'd have a game early next morning, Sunday morning, eight o'clock, and then probably a game right after that at ten o'clock. And so you can, see, I mean, there's no there's no way if you're gonna go to those games, you can to get to Sunday mass. And so in little league baseball, one of the things you look forward to almost as much as the games is the hotel the night after the games, and like swimming in the pool and eating pizza. So I remember definitely one time. I know I know there was something like this almost every weekend. But we we show up um, after the game. All dirty, can't can't wait to go um, jump in the pool and swim and eat pizza. And we're getting, I'm excited to go do all that, drink a million Mountain Dews. And I just can't wait for the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, and Dad'd be like, "Hey, we can do that afterwards." But we have game at eight tomorrow, game at ten tomorrow. We're going to mass. And as a kid, I, your first instinct is like, "What?" Everybody, you see guys doing cannonballs, and you're like, yeah. you, you can't we can't wait to go. But we got to go to mass. But that was every single weekend. And and there'd be a couple other families that would go with us too. And um, that just makes an impression right there, kind of like Dad said too, just just that action. And little by little, it tells you this is important. This is even more important, way more important than than uh, eating pizza and going swimming and all. So just just those actions. Um, and and to this day, I mean, I think that that had a huge impact. Another huge thing I, I think I learned from Dad is with his his role in athletics, he he, he kept taking j- different jobs and, and kind of growing up as uh, you know assistant of Barton County uh, head coach at Fort Hayes and taking different athletic director jobs as he as he went forward. And every time he did that, he had to move his entire family with him. And and I remember in particular um, when we were in El Dorado, we'd been there five years, and and um, I was in eighth grade at the time, and and mom had been she'd been taking us to adoration once a week, and so we kind of got familiar with adoration. I remember during that stretch, that being a difficult decision for mom and dad to make. Do we, uh, we were in El Dorado there getting, dad was getting offered the job at Newman University in Wichita. And just watching his, his, um, his example of, okay, we got a big decision to make. He, was, he went to adoration a ton during that time. Um, and it, again, taught me when you get big decisions to make, when, when there's something going on in your life, that's where you go. You go, you go and pray about it. And, and you know, throughout our lives too, like we, we pretty consistently pray a rosary in the evening together in the, in the living room and, and in the car as we're driving somewhere. And, and got to, if we got up early enough as kids, and to this day, mom and dad still do it, um, they get up and say a rosary together moment. And so just, just that witness and huge as well would be, I mean, dad, dad, I remember even being young, he's, he's always doing things like big brothers, big sisters, um, taking, taking care of a, a kid. And once in a while, we'd get to have dinner with that kid, just watching him reach out to a kid in need like that and, and taking community to the homebound. Uh, I, I, I could go on forever about dad, you know, but, 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 um, one thing that's really always stood out too is he, he's gifted at this and willing to do it. Like when, when someone um, loses a loved one, um, dad's always kind of, for whatever reason, even though that family, he, he might not be a part of their family, like when he goes to the wake or, or, or when he goes to um, see that family, somehow they, they really, really, he, he's able to bring a lot of comfort to them. And so he, he's willing to go to people um, when someone, someone passes away. And, and again, just like seeing that witness through my life, it, um, it's been unbelievable. So. Watching all those things, it has definitely had a huge impact on my faith. So we've had studies, and this is now multiple to this point, that says that if father practices his faith, the children are more likely to stay with that faith as adults. And I will also add in there, interject, that if a child were to fall away, that witness helps get them back mm-hmm. at some point, too. Mm-hmm. Do you find this true? And... Maybe elaborate on that for a little bit for yeah, the yeah. for the audience. 
Yeah, so you're familiar with the commercials. That they're hilarious commercials. I can't remember what they're advertising, but it's the guy that's up there talking about uh, um, these people are becoming their parents, and they're they're doing all these different things that were, uh, um, you know, they're they're trying to fix someone's car, doesn't need help fixing the car, just all, all these different. Um, the waiter doesn't need to know your name. Like there's all these different examples of they're funny commercials of people becoming their parents, and I think. Um, we all recognize that. It's funny, you get to a point, you get to an age, I'm sure you've seen this in your own life. Um, I've, I've noticed it myself, once in a while I start saying something and after I get done saying it, I'll be like, that was dad. You yeah, know, that's, like, my dad. Yep. that's my dad, <laughs> that's my dad. That's my dad. I remember growing up too, yep. like dad, and I mean, dad talked about how my grandpa was kind of a stern guy. So once in a while when dad would have a stern response to something, <laughs> I'd hear my mom once in a while, once in a while go, geez, Norman. Like, and, and Norman was my grandpa's name. So we kind of, we kind of, um, you start becoming your dad, you start becoming your parents. And, and uh, we, last night we were talking about how many different great songs there are about fathers actually too, all these great country songs. Um, um, Love Without an End, Amen. There's so many good ones we used to listen to growing up. One of them is uh, Seeing My Father in Me, I think by Paul Overstreet. Same, just thinking about that very same thing, how just as time goes on, I'm starting to see, I, I notice I walk the way he walks, I notice I talk the way he talks. All that to say, um, that example of your dad makes a difference. You, when you, you do these natural things, you start talking like him, you start walking like him, you start responding to things like he, like he did. It's gonna make sense then when, when things get difficult, what, what example did he have for you? Did he run, did he go, did he go, whatever, did, how, do you, how do you react to that? Did he go and pray? Did he go and, and um, you know, be there for his family? All those things kind of um, make an impact on how you react as an adult as well, and so it makes sense to me. Yeah, I find this to be true, and, and I think that's that's the reason we, we become our parents in some ways. And when you've seen them uh, practice the faith consistently and, and seen that it's real and seen that in action, like we've we've talked about, um, it's going to I think be a, a natural instinct for you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good point. I think uh, the other thing that it does um, when they are in the faith. We see examples of people straying from that faith, and in, in all of our families, you know, ours included, you know, that don't stay in the Catholic faith. But that foundation that mom and dad practiced and brought them up through is always going to be there. It's always going to be there, and I think that's sometimes maybe as people are going through struggles and, and they have a child or, or you know that's out of the church and they're praying for them to come back. I think knowing that that foundation is there has got to be a source of peace for them, that they've got that in place for them to come back to. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more from Curtis Hamakey and his son, Father Andy Hamakey. We're back on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation. Faith of our fathers. With Curtis Hamakey and Father Andy Hamakey. George Toman conducts the interview. I'm going to skip around a little bit here yeah. in terms of our notes for the sake of time. I want to get to this one here. How important is it that children see that their father loves God? Like you said earlier, if, if it's all for show, like you said, if a theologian, if he's just speaking it but he doesn't live it, um, then then it's then what what good is it? 
I, I go back to my own example of my own dad. Like one example would be, um, he does it in subtle ways, but like, so here we are at this Divine Mercy radio station and surrounding Hayes, and we have the Divine Mercy uh, images, right? As you drive on the interstate, you see them on the highways. And so dad, just little things like this make an impact. You can tell he loves the Lord. Like we, we'd be driving in, in the vehicle and we'd go by that sign. It's a little bit kind of an old, kind of a dad thing, kind of a cheesy thing, but he'd say, hi Jesus. Like as he drives by, just wave and say hi Jesus. But you can just hear in the way he says it and you kind of look back at us and like, all right, dad, you don't gotta do that every single time, you know? But just the way he says it, he, he means it. He's obviously waving at you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, so, I mean, just little, little things like that. You, you can tell um, how, much, how much he loves it and it's real. And, and again, where you really see it is when things get tough and, 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 he, and he turns to the Lord. And, and especially tough in your, in your life as, as a kid when, when your dad's able to say, here's where you should turn. Um, and, and that he has complete confidence when, when as a father, uh, he could probably speak more to this, but as a father, when he know you can't do anything about it, what's difficult for your kids, um, but you can pray for them and, and, and you can just see the faith that they have that everything's going to be okay. When it's, when it's real, um, it makes a huge difference in, in, your, in your own faith as a child. I, I don't know. I think, George, when you talk about this, everybody's on their own journey, their own pathway to their faith. You know, and, and growing in their faith and the different levels and everything affects probably everyone differently. You know, and one of my second part of my discussion earlier was how it, how my faith life changed from, from my dad growing up and how I made it my own. And for me, um, for what it's worth, that's I really feel like that really started to change when we had kids. Sure. And and I, I would guess, and looking back, that it's the vulnerability that, that, that you now have. And the responsibility that you didn't have before, that, that maybe there I didn't feel like I needed God as much, and now all of a sudden I I come to the realization that I can't keep them safe, I can't keep them from harm by myself, I can't protect them, um, do all these things that uh, keep them away from the pains of the world and this and that that are out there. And when you come to that realization, that that's something in my world, what drove, I think, me deeper and deeper into my faith was a sense of surrender to the, from the standpoint of that I, I can't do this by myself. So that was probably one of the biggest things for me. I think everybody probably hits that point at some time. Some people hit it a lot earlier than that. For me, it was, I think, uh, the outset of that came when we started having our kids. Gentlemen, the dad is the head of his domestic church. So let's say there are men out there who did not know their responsibility in leading their families to God. How can they begin? What advice would you give them? <laughs> Curtis, I'll have you start. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Kind of like I said a second ago, I think the timing is different for everybody. And life has a way of steering you that direction. And so I think they're going to, the, life's challenges are going to take them that direction to, to start seeking and learning more and, and a way to find some peace. Peace for worrying about their family or peace for um, the issues that are involved with their kids. Every, everybody, since everybody's situation is so much different, I don't know how I'd answer that for how they begin. Um, but. Maybe they've had a foundation. Maybe they didn't have that foundation. You know, they might be totally doing it on their own. Um, but 
if I were going to ever instruct anybody how to begin in anything related to our faith, I would steer them to the Adoration Chapel. That's the first thing I would say. If you can get them in there once, um, if you can get them to start to where they're they're praying, and, and then and then try try, which, gosh, I don't know how to do this myself. I'm, I try to to let God steer the direction I'm going, and that's that's hard. Yeah. Great, Father Andy. What do you have to that? I mean, I, just building on that same same idea. Just if if um, an earthly father is going to be the father he's called to be, it makes sense that there's got to be a, a strong relationship with the heavenly father. You know, and and, and that's our that's our model. And and so and so, how do we do that? Like Dad said, I mean, you go visit him in the Adoration Chapel. You you re- receive the sacraments frequently, and then work with that grace. You go to confession regularly, and just keep um, build up that relationship with the Lord. And that's the starting point. If we're going to talk about where we start, it's it's with that relationship with the Heavenly Father. Well, you, Plug in there. you can start thinking. I mean, if a young man's listening, and maybe he's thinking about priesthood, and you say all that, it's like I don't know, man. That sounds pretty dang hard. Like I don't know if I. But but uh, I think the, the the relieving thing for priests and for those discerning too, that like you said, you got you're in all these different situations. Is all you all you are in the end called to do is be there. Your your only job really in the end, I, I think, is is to is to um, be as holy as you can be, to fall in love with the Lord. And, and and love your people like yes. other than that like everything else takes care of itself but, but <laughs> so if you're if you're nervous about priesthood man, that, that's what it all comes down to right there and and and, and um, everything else everything else is putting on top of that absolutely gentlemen i uh, for the sake of time i want to um, get to this question and advice that you can give uh for the men out there and also again you know for um for you ladies out there also listening maybe some ideas to maybe give um you know your boys or to someone else as as some wisdom but how can we as a church form men before getting married to know how important their role as a man and father is? And Curtis, I'll start with you about that question. What can we do as a church to be able to really emphasize the importance of being a good man and also eventually, God willing, a future father? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think... Um you know, again, when when each individual is in his own place, it's hard to make that a set plan. Something that has been important for me, and this can happen early in their spiritual life, um, is to turn to the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. If we can incorporate, I feel like we've steered away from that for a lot of years, um, unfortunately. And it's okay for men to love the Blessed Mother. She's going to take you to Jesus. Yes. And, and, yes. and I think that's really, really important for young men before they're getting married to understand that. And something that has always been a little bit of a sticker in my side is, especially when you listen to apologetics, you know, I don't ever want to sound like I'm not apologizing for loving our blessed mother i'm not gonna do that. amen no amen okay so do we worship her okay no but but we honor her greatly and why not she's the mother of god <laughs> for crying out loud okay that's something my dad would say so in in going through her okay she's going to take us where we need to be but i i i sometimes feel like as her intercession to jesus for us and so many people say, hey, we're having this problem. W- would you say a prayer for me? Um, well, yeah, I-, I will, but 
you, maybe we should have marriage. How about our blessed mother saying a prayer for you because Jesus is more likely to respond to, to her than he is to me, <laughs> the way I look at it. But, but I think that's something that has really come back to the forefront a little bit that got hidden for a while, I feel like. Um, and it's something that in my prayer life has been critical. And the books that I've read about the Blessed Mother and her role even in seminarians and bringing parishioners back home um, and, and bringing new candidates to, to the priesthood, yes, you can go straight to Jesus, just like you can say your confession straight to Jesus. But there's other ways that work really well. Go through our Blessed Mother to Jesus. Go through the priest when you're saying your confessions. They're, they're, they're set up that way for a reason. So I think if we could understand that and not be afraid of that, not be afraid of that as men to say, I love her, I love her. And that's a great starting point in my mind. I think just being realistic about what, what the call is and uh, the call to marriage isn't, isn't about um, getting what you, what you want out of your kids or, or your family and all about, all about me, but as, as we know, as any father knows, it's about sacrifice. So in marriage prep, as we're preparing men for this, getting ready for the reality that, hey, this is, this is a life of sacrifice, going back to what Christ intended for the sacrament in, in Ephesians when he says, love your wives as Christ loved, loved the church, right? And in the end, lay, lay your life down. And so, but I think with that, if you talk to any father, and I've seen it in mine, he, he's, he's told me multiple times, like his, his greatest pains are, are seeing his kids, his kids suffer, but his greatest joys are our are, are joy. So he, he's completely sacrificed his own interests and, and lives, really does li live through his family and so, yes, th is there a sacrifice there? Is that difficult to give up your life? Yes, but it leads you to an even higher joy than you could ever have living for yourself. And so I think challenge them to, to prepare for that sacrifice, but also encourage them that that sacrifice is worth it and, and it's joyful. Well, gentlemen, unfortunately, we're going to have to close up shop for our interview today. I have about a minute left. Curtis, I'll start with you. Is there anything else you want to want to say to the listening audience? Is there anything else that you really wanted to say that we weren't able to get to today? Yeah, I, and that would be, I would echo the story you told earlier about um, your dad telling you how proud he is. You know, and that's something that, that I wanted to say, just how proud I am of Father Andy. It's, it's unbelievable for me to be sitting here with my son who's a priest. So, yeah. I'm proud, really, really proud of all three of our kids, but at this moment today, <laughs> I'm it's really proud of you. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And Alicia, probably not Nick, really. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah the, that, that really, that, that experience of going through, like I said earlier, the, um, the whole seminarian um, process and the brotherhood and the, seeing that whole thing happen firsthand was, Unbelievable for us as parents, it was incredible, and the, the the times that we got to spend on those campuses and see that in real life, um, it's it's really really hard to explain. It's really something you wish you could bring back home and let other people experience it. But we have him to thank for that ride. But, no, yes. but anyway, that's I thank you for having us on. No, you bet. And Father Andy, I'll give you a little bit, one minute here, a little less than that. As vocation director, quick shout out to whoever you want, and then if you'll uh, end our time with a blessing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the, the, the spiritual fatherhood as a priest is unbelievable, too. I'll just say that. It, um, have no fear of, of, of discerning um, priesthood. It's an unbelievable joy. I'll, I'll say this. Kind of last thing, maybe, is like you said, as priests, 
we're called to be there for people that helps their faith and, and, and likewise I, I just want to close with after dad said those things just grateful for my own dad and and, and uh the it, certainly you can grow up in a household where where you're not as, as fortunate and you don't have the the kind of love i got to experience as a for my father growing up and still find the lord but it's certainly it's much easier when when your dad's there for you um, through everything, when he tells you he's proud for you, when he when he when he demonstrates the faith for you, and that's your that's that's your um, only experience of an earthly father growing up, it's that much easier to, to fall in love with your earthly father and and have, and have a deep faith. And so that witness that fathers um, have for us makes such a huge impact. On my own dad, I'll, clearly, I mean, I, I'm not a priest if it's not for the witness of my dad. So. Father, you want to lead us in your blessing? Yep. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of fatherhood. We thank you um, for your, your own Heavenly Father and for your obedience to Him. Help us to be obedient to our Heavenly Father and so that we might become good earthly fathers and also be obedient to our earthly fathers so that we might grow to be like their great witness and continue to guide every, every earthly father with, with the grace you have, especially the grace you have in store for them in the Eucharist. We ask you to bless all those listening and bless those gathered here in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Stewarding God's Creation Show. If you are a business or service that would like to underwrite this show, please know that your spot will run three times during the show, which runs five times a week. Interested? Call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. One body, God's creation.